Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator, lawyer and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Today, what I want to talk to you guys about is getting stuck under contract and being trapped and having no bloody way out. I have seen quite a few subcontractors in this pickle and they are hemorrhaging money from the back end of the job nobody's making anything they can't move on to other profit jobs because they are stuck contractually uh, either carrying out variation work or they're getting stung with liquidated damages day by day by day and they have no way of getting out of the contract now if you're listening to me on this episode i am driving to a client consultation so i am pulling out all stops to get you the goods in terms of a podcast episode this week but i am running late for it and you're going to have some background noise so lucky you you can come along for the ride uh, please take note i do have a hands-free device for recording my podcast so nobody is breaking the law So now that you know I'm not a criminal, I am just a really good multitasker. I'm going to get into the details of how this stuff happens because a lot of my clients think I am a doomsday prepper when I talk like this. Now, I'd like to think I'm not doomsday prepping. I'd like to think that my clients think that this is a myth because their admin's so bloody good they'll never get in this situation. Uh, But you guys might think I'm a bit cocky if I go down that path. But hey, uh, reality check, it is something that you do have to worry about if you aren't giving notices of delay or claiming extensions of time with your variation documents. And uh, even the very best of subbies, you know, guys who are operating on really professional levels who are putting in notices of variation without any time attached to that variation uh, just astounds me. And I think it's something in terms of the way that you guys think it doesn't occur to you that this is a time claim as well as a variation to the contract for extra work. Uh, So focused on pricing the variation and getting the additional work for the contract that potentially uh, the time factor is overlooked. I've got to say it's not fair on you, it's not fair on the builder Uh, and this is how things go really bad because the builder will get into a situation where their client is pushing them to complete uh, they may be getting real liquidated damages or delay damages taken at a head contract level. You think you've been a great bloke uh, doing f- fantastic, outstanding customer service, but really you are forgetting who you work for if you are administering that way. So let's reverse engineer how you get stuck under contract. Now, the first way is uh, variation work with no margin. So when you sign a contract, how often do you actually check the contract to see if there's a margin in there for you? Are you entitled to profit for variation work or are you just entitled to the cost uh, plus a percentage? Maybe you are entitled to the cost plus a percentage, but you don't know whether the percentage will cover your offsite overheads and preliminaries. 
So if your contract has a method of valuing, say for example, you're a chippy, uh, additional labor is at 85 bucks an hour, I hope you're charging at least that much, um, and you can work out how much you need to have in your hourly rate to be able to reverse engineer and know that your offset offside overheads and prelims will be covered, but it really is a sliding scale. An hourly rate is not going to cut the mustard if you're only doing two hours of work. So think in terms of the admin itself and giving a notice of variation uh, for two hours of work. You're just not gonna do it. You're gonna do it on day works and then you're gonna try and fight at the end of the job to get paid all these scrappy little day works. And a uh, good example, I had a client last year who had a builder try and argue that the fair work rules required everyone to have a 30 minute break every eight hours. And if they didn't do that, they were contravening the legislation. And so therefore it was justifiable for the builder to deduct 30 minutes from every single uh, day work sheet that had in excess of eight hours written on it. Uh, worked out to be several uh, thousands of dollars. I think it was something like $19,000 from memory that these 30, 30 minute increments deducted from day worksheets added up to. It was a decent crack of cash and it called into question the validity of the day worksheets as well where the builder was saying, well, how good are your records? You didn't even write down whether or not your boys had a break. If they didn't have a break, they were in breach of contract for contravening um, fair work legislation. So it just goes into this ugly cycle of pointing fingers and deducting money from you. Now, not a lot of you realize when you sign these big scary contracts that you're not entitled to decline to do a variation. So the way the contract works is you must comply with a written direction from the builder and a variation direction is a written direction. And if you can't decline to carry out variation work, uh, sometimes contracts go even further and say that you must carry out a variation if directed. And so if you are directed to do a variation and you don't have margin because you're at 85 bucks an hour, but that doesn't cover your costs because you've now reverse engineered it and realized that running a business costs a lot more than just having 85 bucks an hour on a sliding scale um, and you're losing money at the back end or you're getting called to do uh, to a job to do four hours worth of work or even say I've seen people called in to do say for example door hardware is a really good one for a chippy because it could be three doors takes him 15 minutes a door and he's not even paying that chippy to come and do that work uh, for the minimum three hours that you've got to pay somebody uh, to have them on the payroll for the day. But really at the crux of it is, is that you sign a contract for a lump sum amount for a scope of work. For whatever reason that scope of work changes uh, and the builder adds a bunch of scope for you, you're only allowed to get a certain amount for that scope. It may be a lot less than you actually uh, value the original contract work at because when you worked out the original contract value, hopefully you had offsite overheads and prelims uh, factored in there, hopefully you had retention, hopefully you had margin, all those things, insurances. So uh, particularly if you've got insurance for a duration of a job, say for example trade credit insurance, you might have a trade credit insurance policy, hopefully you're factoring that into your quotes and you know that for a year um, you're going to be covered but you actually have to hold that policy for two years don't you because 
the defects liability period. So you'll hold it for the duration of the job, but really it's two years worth of policy uh, premium that you need to be attributing to every job. And I'm not suggesting that you should be stretching one year over two years. I'm saying you've got two years worth of costs to be covered uh, for that particular duration. And same thing with work cover and public liability and all that sort of stuff as well. Essentially at the crux of it is you get given extra work. So if I'm a painter and I'm given a contract to do the internal works for uh, the building and my contract says you can have cost plus 5% for uh, materials, but there's a list of things. So materials and labor, there's an hourly rate schedule for labor. There's a um, list of what's included. So it could be the fact that your contract actually includes vehicles for your labor. Uh, and so they're saying, well, look, if you're gonna get a painter to site, he's got to drive there. And that's essentially, you know, he would have to have that to be there that's included in the cost. And I've seen contracts recently where they've specifically had a list of what is included in an hourly rate for a laborer. When I say a laborer, I'm talking about a tradesperson, uh, but essentially a tradesperson in the trade, whatever you are. Now, the builder gives you a variation to do the outside of the building. And you now have to do the outside of the building and paint it all. And you've got to value the variation work in accordance with the method of valuation for a variation under the contract. And if that is markedly different to how you would price a job when you're trying to win work, you might find that you spend another four, five months on site I've seen subbies spend an extra 12 months on site doing variation work alone. And that's a whole year of revenue that they are stuck. They can't go and get another job. They have to either employ more staff or you've got to subcontract a labour crew at the market rate at that point in time. It could be the case that you've uh, you know, been screwed down at the tender meeting to 75 bucks an hour or I've seen it worse than that. I've seen 50 bucks an hour. Uh, for hourly rates for labour and you're thinking at the time when the CA says to you, you're thinking I'm going to be on site anyway, but you might not have been on site anyway. You might be at the end of the job and you could have moved on, but now you're stuck. Now the second way that you can get stuck under contract is if you don't put in claims for extension of time and you're not entitled to delay costs, which most contracts won't give you a right to delay costs. We wish they did, but uh, very unlikely that you're going to have a contract that gives you a right to claim delay costs. And even if you do, uh, it'll be hard to do it under your contract because that's just the way that we operate in this country, unfortunately, um, where everyone's just trying to mitigate against unknown costs. But you're not entitled to delay costs, so you think, well, what's the point in sticking in an EOT if I'm not entitled to delay costs? And then lo and behold, the builder uh, decides that he's going to take liquidated damages from you. And uh, a, a prior client of mine is in this situation at the moment where they did not give a single notice of delay. They didn't give a single claim for EOT. Uh, their work is dictated by when the builder tells them to come to site. The builder was supplying the materials. Uh, didn't give a single EOT, but the builder says, you guys are on LDs from now on because your date for PCs in the past. 
and every single day that they have to wait to complete their work uh, or that they are now completing their work, even if they do it the fastest way they possibly can, it's still costing them to be there. It costs them to allocate their resources, to have their resources on standby for the duration of the contract period, but that's over now. And so it's likely that what they had factored in in terms of offsite overheads and prelims is all over now because they said, oh well, the contract program is for this much time. But not only that, they're now getting charged liquidated damages for the privilege of being on site to complete the work. There's no way out for them. They have to complete the work. The only way they can stop the clock on the LDs is to complete, to reach practical completion. And the builder is obviously, uh, you know, regardless of whether or not the builder is actually incurring any cost under the head contract, if the contract gives them a right to liquidated damages and you miss your PC day, it really is not about he said, she said, or who delayed who. It's about the fact that you had a right to give an extension of time under the contract. You didn't give one, didn't notify of the delay, so you didn't mitigate the delay. If you didn't notify the builder of the delay, you can't assume he knows about it anyway. Um, you've got to give him that notice to be able to trigger your right to claim liquid, uh, an extension of time and avoid liquidated damages under your contract. So guys, this is when things get really bad and this is where big adjudications happen because uh, if you can afford to take one, and I'm not saying that as a um, ivory tower lawyer, I'm saying that as you've been bled dry of claims from the builder for so long now, you're getting set offs for liquidated damages. The builder's furious with you. It's very unlikely that you've been paid for a very long time, but you're stuck. And if you come for advice, the advice has got to be, you need to finish that job as quickly as possible. Uh, there are some commercial ways that you can get some leverage with the builder and, and have the conversation about how you can help each other out. Um, that's not something I'm going to stick in a podcast. You'd have to have a consultation with me to learn all about those great things. Uh, but this is the name of the game. And I want to, the reason I'm raising this, this with you guys in a podcast is not because I want you to go home at night and lay in bed and worry. I'm telling you about it because you can avoid this. You can avoid this so easily. And I had a client two years ago, actually it was about two years and three months because it was just before my late last daughter was born. Uh, and we went and we did training with these guys, right? We trained them on best practice contract administration. We did nationwide security of payment training with them. Everyone got a folder, everyone got ongoing support. Uh, we, we really gave them the Rolls Royce of training and they paid a premium for it. It was a very big contract for us. Um, and these guys never implemented a single thing that we taught them. They, I, I think they had problems with their governance in terms of it was too hard. No one knew whose job it was uh, to do it. No one knew who they had to ask permission from. Everyone was worried about upsetting their builders. But this particular subcontractor had better leverage than most trades because they're a unique trade. Oh, that's all I'm going to say about them is they're a unicorn trade who had really good leverage. Imagine if you were the one subby that you could, you were the only one who could do what you do. Um, that's what these guys did. And they had an opportunity to really run their business without any contractual risk. 
uh, if they just administered their contracts properly and they knew that they would still get the work. They knew they'd still get the work, the builder had no choice but to talk to them. These idiots did not implement a single thing. Now they're working with a tier one contractor who's clocking LDs by the day they're stuck. They have no right to terminate the contract. The only way they're gonna get out of this contract is if they go into liquidation or they finish. And unfortunately, they are stuck on a critical path that is affected by other trades. Uh, you know, if there was ever a business that didn't have to go through this, these guys had an opportunity. And what it's costing them now in terms of the unpaid payment claims and the risk to their business, that there's a very good chance that this will end up in a very big court case. What I wanna get across to you guys is that it doesn't matter how big or small you are, the game is played the same. The rules to the game are the same. And if you can get your systems and processes supporting you at a smaller stage when you're doing less volume, smaller contracts with, with less risk, uh, but you find a really nice way to just start implementing your contract administration systems and package it like it's really great customer service, you're going to grow and have the confidence to grow. You'll have the conf confidence to take on much, much bigger contracts because you will feel protected from the contractual risk. Now, my daughter the other day said to me, when she grows up, she wants to be a teacher. And I was relieved because I thought she was gonna say she wants to be a builder. We are always talking about builders in our family. Uh, we are a construction industry family. And for a moment I thought, well, at least she's not gonna be a builder. Uh, but the same goes for subbies, right? You guys take on so much risk. You're not even aware of the amount of risk that you take on uh, from a licensing perspective, from a personal liability for defects perspective. The period that you're liable for defects is longer than the statute of limitations to be sued for like a normal contract issue in most states in the country, uh, most states and territories. And that's just, for me, if I thought about going into business and I thought, oh, I'm gonna be a, a chippy or a, anyone else um, in the construction industry, it's not something that I would do. Uh, it, it's not to say that the industry is broken, but the amount of risk that you have the potential to take on far exceeds, I think, the margins you're making at the moment, the margins that you're making in the work that you do and the way you're treated. So the only way that you can make that better is by changing the way that you operate. And the industry will be the industry, the risk will always be there, but you have the ability to control what you can control. What you can't control will happen all on its own. And it's very likely, if, the, if you have a lifetime in this industry, it is very, very likely that you will have a dispute at some point, if not one a year. And a lot of my clients who come to me in the early stages when their business is first really born, and they'll go, really, a dispute every year? No, we've got relationships. These guys think we're great. 
You should see our workmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, the dispute will probably happen because of nothing you did, but whether or not you are protected will depend on what you did do with your contract. So I just want you to ponder that. Now, I am running a free webinar on how to get paid for variations. Uh, I'm running it, I think it's the 16th of June. If you wanna turn up live, it's 10 a.m. If you can't turn up live, you can go to my website, www.tricksofyourtrade.com.au and you can check out the web webinar gallery. In the webinar gallery, I've got free downloads for the resources that we have at the webinar and all the things. Uh, but I have to warn you, I do ask you to sign up to some T's and C's to say that you will not steal my intellectual property or misuse it or give it to anyone else without my permission. That's because I would not be a lawyer if I didn't have a disclaimer on my stuff. Uh, it's not because you're not welcome. Please, please be assured you are welcome. We do want you to take advantage of the free resources available to you so that you can learn as much as possible about having a really smooth ride uh, through your business experience in the construction industry. If you have any questions about what we talked about on this podcast, you can send me a good old fashioned email. It's questions at tricksofyourtrade.com.au. Alternatively, uh, you can contact me through my website. If you liked this podcast or if you like my other podcasts or if you just like me, uh, could you do me a favor and give me a review? I am uh, trying to elbow my way to the table in terms of ratings and I would love to reach more people who could benefit from the stuff that I'm uh, giving away in these podcasts, this great advice. I mean, honestly, I think that this stuff is worth paying for. Nine times out of 10, if we have somebody come to us who's in a pickle, who's not being paid, um, yeah, sure, we'll stop you from bleeding from the neck and we'll help you out with that problem. But the very next conversation is going to be about how can we stop this from happening next time? So a lot of people who won't do that for you, they'll just fix your problem and say to you, we realize you don't wanna be billed for anything else, so we won't call you until you need us again. Uh, I'm not like that. I'm dedicating a decent amount of time every single week to bringing you guys educational material so you can level up, have a better experience in business in the construction industry, be treated better, level the playing field. Uh, so take advantage of it and share it with your friends. Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools more you gave up? Call us the tricks of your trade! Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade.